0: I have a memory from being maybe eight or nine years old and watching a show with my parents. And it's a kind of memory from a time when you're watching TV shows and you're just about old enough to watch TV shows with the grown-ups and not quite old enough to grasp everything that's going on. And I remember a scene where there was a car crash and someone had died. What I remember about that scene was this moment where a paramedic came over and wordlessly pulled up a white sheet over the person's face. And even eight or nine, I was able to intuit what that meant. Here was this moment of sadness and respect and grief,
1: and a covering up with a white sheet. There's an instinct, I think, to cover our dead. Maybe it's an ancient instinct,
0: born of practicality and reverence at the same time. Desire to avoid gawkers, respect for the dignity of the person who's died. But maybe even more than that, maybe a kind of humility and awe at the unsettling mystery of what has just happened a person has passed from
1: this world. It's hard to look upon with our eyes. And so some kind of shroud or some
0: kind of wrappings or some kind of covering are part of so many different cultures way of caring for the dead. We just celebrated Halloween of course, and think about how much of our Halloween imagery relies for its spooky power on images of grave clothes the long thin cloth strips of the mummy or the big billowy sheet of the ghost, a shroud that is cast over all peoples.
1: Lazarus, come out, Jesus Christ. And the dead man hears and he rises. He answers the call.
0: And as he lurches out of the tomb, His shroud and wrappings are holding him back. His hands and feet still tangled up as if the forces of death are still trying to keep hold of him. As the power of Jesus flings him forth out of the tomb.
1: And so Jesus gives another command. Unbind him and let him go. Unbind him, says the one whose command can dissolve the power of death itself. And what Jesus does for Lazarus on this day
0: is a foretaste because it will not be long before Jesus himself
1: will lie beneath his own shroud, captured, entangled by the powers of death. And yet on
0: Easter morning, the Gospels tell us the disciples found his shroud too. The story says they found it lying rolled up by itself in the tomb, carefully placed to the side. As if to show us that somehow in the mystery of that holy night, Jesus shrugged off
1: his burial shroud. And in its place, put on immortality. Today is All Saints Day, and it's a time when we come so close
0: to the mystery of life and death, and life on the other side of death, and those who are on the other side of death, who are so far from us and yet behind only a very thin veil. And every single week we come together to celebrate a liturgy that puts us in touch with life and death with death and resurrection. We do this in remembrance of someone that scripture calls the first fruits of those who have died. And first fruits means just the beginning of the crop. If there are first fruits, there are more to follow. And so what that means is that Jesus is the pioneer of a destiny that's meant to apply to you and me too,
1: as well as all those saints. What happens to Jesus is something new. We have the story of Lazarus,
0: and marvelous as it is, and wonderful, and a sign of God's victory. With Lazarus, it's temporary. We have to assume that he goes back to his family and friends and lives his life and again dies someday. We don't have a Lazarus still with us to tell the tale. So for Lazarus, we have a temporary rejuvenation, but for Jesus, we have something new. We have life eternal. We have the new life that is risen life. And if that's the destiny that God offers to us too, we have so little idea of just what it is that we can only talk about it in pictures. Scripture gives us different pictures of that life. One of them is prophet Isaiah's rich feast on the holy mountain, food and drink and company. Another image is from revelation, this image of a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Another image we'll say in a few minutes when we renew our baptismal vows, when we say together the apostles' creed, which has this phrase, the resurrection of the body. What might it mean for our bodies to be raised? Do we lurch forth like Lazarus, only to die again? Not that. But somehow, the destiny that awaits us is connected with who we are in these bodies here as well. St. Paul uses an analogy of a seed and a plant. And just as the plant that grows is very different from the seed that it grew from, yet also continuous with it. So Paul suggests that our bodies that sleep in the earth are like the seed. And that who we are is as unimaginable as the plant
1: is to the seed. Yet still us, still connected, still the same. Now, the thing about St. Paul is that he had seen the risen Jesus.
0: Jesus appeared to him. And yet Paul never describes what he saw. He never says, I saw Jesus, and he had brown hair and was about five feet tall and had an unearthly glow. He doesn't give descriptions like the description of the transfiguration where Jesus's garments shine white. He doesn't give any kind of description like that. He resorts to imagery like a seed and a plant. It's as if to say that the reality is too great for a simple visual description. He has to resort to the language of poetry and mystery. But what he does know is that it's Jesus that he saw. This one who has passed through death and out the other side. The one who holds our destiny in his hands. His wounded hands. His healed hands.
1: His loving hands. And Paul also says that this
0: perishable body of ours will put on imperishability. This mortal body will put on immortality like a garment.
1: There's a tradition at Christian funerals
0: where we drape the caskets or urns of our loved ones with a special kind of burial shroud. A white cloth called a pall. And it recalls the white robe that we clothe those who are newly baptized in the same white robe that folks who serve in liturgy wear as a sign of our identity baptized into Christ. Because we do put on Christ when we're baptized. We wear him, we take his nature on us and we carry that garment with us into death. So for Christians, even our burial shroud itself is a sign of immortality it's a sign that God will transform our burial shroud into the heavenly wedding robe that we'll put on
1: when the trumpet sounds to call us to the great banquet. Today on this feast of all saints, we rejoice
0: with all those who rejoice with Jesus at that banquet those who are heroes of the faith, those whose names we celebrate and whose feasts we keep. Saints from the past, like the Blessed Virgin Mary, like Francis, newer saints, Dr. King, Mother Teresa, signs of all that great fellowship that share with us in baptism in Christ. And we celebrate also those whose names are known to God alone, because we are one with them. And so now we live by faith. But in Jesus' resurrection, we have a pledge that there is more ahead. On that day, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples an abundant feast. But even here, Even today, we have a foretaste of that feast, a feast of
1: rich foods, a feast of well-aged wines strained clear.